0: Say my name until the city burns and the stars fade away and your scars don't hurt. I will hold you till the sun comes crashing down. I'm yours until the end of time. Hey
1: everyone, welcome to the Restored Tomorrow podcast, a listener supported podcast that is dedicated to restoring marriages to wholeness in Christ after being affected by pornography and sexual brokenness.
2: After betraying charity with pornography and unwanted sexual behavior, we had no idea how to rebuild our relationship, or even if it was possible to restore what was broken.
1: Today, by God's grace, we have learned how to connect again, laugh again, and rebuild spiritual, emotional, and sexual intimacy to an even greater experience than before.
2: Our goal is that as you hear our story, the stories of others, and the knowledge needed to heal, you too can have a marriage that is becoming restored to more.
1: I'm yours until the end of time. Update everyone. Course one registrations are back open. Whoop, whoop. This is an eight week course starting Thursday, September 14th. That is designed to help you and your spouse start the journey to becoming restored to more. It will be led by R2M certified coaches, Cody and Michelle Larson. We will be focusing on how to cultivate safety and trust, healthy communication, deal with triggers, and begin to discover how God can use crisis to create closeness. You can see all the details on our website and can register today at www.restoredtomore.com slash courses. Also, if you have appreciated this podcast, a great way to say thank you is leaving a five-star rating and a positive review. These reviews help more people find the podcast and experience hope and healing.
0: Say my name until the
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Restored to We are so excited for our guest today, Dr. Jake Porter.
2: Okay, I gotta read this intro because this is amazing and there's so much you've achieved, Jake, so here we go. Jake, you are a Boardified Certified Counselor, Doerr Institute Certified Professional Coach, Certified Sex Addiction Therapist, Certified Multiple Addiction Therapist, Certified Clinical Trauma Professional, and Certified Daring Way Facilitator. He is also the creator of Couple Center Recovery, a model for treating attachment wounds of couples experiencing the trauma of betrayal. He also is a level two path clinician and has undergone extensive training in emotional focused therapy, an evidence-based treatment for couples who have suffered attachment injuries. He's worked with couples from around the world who have traveled to Houston for treatment of severe attachment injuries and relational trauma. Jake has also taught and presented research on the topics of theology, counseling, trauma, and addiction around the world. Jake, that is an incredible introduction. Uh, Thank you for spending the time to get that educated and all of that. I know it's obviously money, time, resources, sacrifice, and I'm just excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being
0: with us today. Thank you. And uh, I'd be uh, lacking honesty and integrity if I didn't also say a lot of that. Is because I had an addiction to schooling for a long time. <laughs> it was a wonderful uh, defense mechanism to not deal with other stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's it. My bio is not growing anymore. That's the extent of it. That's the deal I have with my wife now. So,
2: man, yeah. I, I love that you're keeping it real. You're, this is what you did. Now, our audiences know this, but we had the chance to get to know you a little bit at sales mm-hmm. out um, in Texas earlier this year. And yeah. you gave an incredible talk, and it was so amazing. And Charity and I took so many notes. In fact, a lot of a lot of even what what we teach on is very similar to couples. You do so much couples work, and we've gained so much from what you've done. So it's it's a pleasure to have you on. I would love to hear where this passion started. I mean, you don't pursue that much education and this much work. I mean, you don't like, hey, I sign up for trauma. Like that sounds like the ultimate fun job, you know? Sure. So where did that passion come from and start?
0: Well, it comes from my own journey, my own um, my own recovery journey, really. So um, I have a, a background. If you go all the way back to my childhood, I'm uh, a survivor of some childhood sexual abuse and uh, and just the other various wounds that happen throughout life in um, in this fallen, sin sick, broken world. I tell my clients often that everybody has post traumatic stress. It's just a question of how much of it and how mm-hmm. you deal with it. But um, so I've got my own journey, really, uh, that's informing a lot of this. I, by the time I was in my early 20s, w- uh, had a full-blown uh, addiction going on myself, and and I was a pastor at the time, wow. and um, I was a pastor for 13 years from the time I graduated with my undergraduate uh, up until just 2017, actually. I didn't get into recovery until about three or four years into my pastorate, uh, my time as a pastor. And it radically changed my life. I won't claim that everything was perfect after that point, far from it, but it really did radically change my life, change my ministry. And at some point, probably four or so years into my own recovery, um, I started getting a lot of feedback from my support networks and uh, my therapist and all this of people saying, Jake, you should really like do this work, like yeah. full-time vocationally.
1: Yeah.
0: And I was like, no, nah, I'm a pastor. You know, I'll just do this. I'll be part of my 12 step program. I was not married at the time. I didn't get married until 2017. So, um so I was a single guy, but finally um, after several people talking to me about, it. I thought, you know what? Okay. I'll, I'll see what this is like. So I, uh, I had already graduated from a seminary, had a master of divinity. Um, and then I decided to go and get a, uh, another master's in clinical mental health counseling. Wow. So I did that and, um, pursued licensure. And my thinking was always, I'm just going to do this on the side, you know, this counseling stuff. I'll do this clinical work on the side and I'll remain in in the pastorate. And, um, it just blew up like my, like schedule wise, uh, referrals. People started calling from out of state. It was all word of mouth really because, and I'm, I'm skipping a lot of kind of the evolution of how I got to couples. I swear I would never work with couples. (laughs) And, um, And there was at the time, very few people, I guess, around the country who had the clinical training that I had, had gotten, who also were approaching things from a Christian worldview. And so, yeah, I started getting a call from Washington state and then New York state and then Georgia and then Indiana um, of people saying, can you help me? And they started flying into Texas and doing these intensives. And it just kind of grew from there until I had to make a choice to, uh, to go one way or the other and felt that God was calling me into clinical work. Also, for a lot of other reasons, decided it was time to, to resign from pastoring. A lot of that had to do with my own recovery as well. And, um, and so 2017, um, I, I launched a new practice, uh, not the little work I was doing on the side before, Launched Daring Ventures, and it's grown into what it is today. We've got like, I think there's nine of us on the team now and uh, work with people. We do regular counseling work with people inside the state of Texas. We do coaching with folks from all over. And then intensives, people literally come from, from around the world. We've wow. just recently had Saudi Arabia represented, and uh, we've had uh, Denmark. And yeah, it's wild. I, I, I often don't believe it myself. Yeah. That's so cool.
1: So cool. So out of that, Daring Ventures was created.
0: And Mm -hmm. Daring
1: Ventures, is it only for couples?
0: No. So um, now I only work with couples now for the most part. I think I've got like three individual clients still lingering from my old caseload. Uh, But I only work with couples. But our team, we see individuals, we see addicts, we see partners of addicts. Uh, we and we see people outside of the realm of you know sex addiction and uh, chronic infidelity as well. We've got someone who specializes in gambling, mm-hmm. problematic gambling, and uh, things like that. So mostly, though, we we treat people around process addictions or behavioral addictions and the trauma that can often come attached mm-hmm. to that, whether that's the addict themselves or the addict's partners.
1: So you know, cool.
2: unfortunately, I think a lot of guys and and women start recovery. And we don't have an understanding of trauma. I don't know if you would agree with that. I feel like sure. a lot of times it can be that obviously the behaviors are unhealthy and they're hurtful. And so we just want to omit the behaviors and and we're not able to assess. I think it's true for a lot of guys that I've talked to in recovery from sexual addiction, unwanted sexual behavior, that we, we we've we've even done so even done the work to where we've gone like, Well, this is actually pretty good, but man, I don't want to go there. Like I don't want to go back to my childhood. I don't want to go by to big T or little T traumas like I just don't even want to mess around there because there's so much pain and it's hard to go there. You know, can you talk a little bit as to how often a case of betrayal sexually or even another crisis is linked to a trauma that we've gone through in our childhood?
0: Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't want to say always because I'm very, very hesitant to use the word always, but as close as I could get to that, Um, like... Very, very, very often, most of the time, <laughs> um, there are childhood trauma issues at play. Now, do I want to say that that's it entirely? That's the whole reason? No, I mean, there we're such complex, multifaceted beings. There's a lot at work. There's there are genetic factors. There are uh, different issues separate from nurturing uh, from um, uh, childhood trauma, but all of that to say childhood trauma plays a huge role
2: mm.
0: in, um, in the development of addiction and addictive behaviors. And then, you know, in what these behaviors that, that lead to tra- to the trauma of betrayal in relationships. And the way I try to connect those dots, the most simple way I know is to say that addiction is an attempt to use something on the outside to change the way you feel on the inside. Mm. Right addicts there's this common misunderstanding addicts misunderstand it themselves that addiction is all about seeking a high of pleasure but the truth is that once an addiction is fully developed you're not seeking the 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 high of the pleasure anymore you're trying to outrun the pain of the withdrawal Mm -hmm. and um so we need to ask the question why why is that going on in the first place what's what's happening that I'm having to use something on the outside to change the way I feel on the inside. Why can't I go to those healthy uh, ways of dealing with this stuff that, you know, humans are supposed to have when we develop optimally. And the reason for that is that our ability to regulate our affect, like our body state, you know, the way we actually feel in the body and the emotions that are attached to it is directly tied to early, childhood developmental experiences in relationships.
1: Mm.
0: If I wasn't nurtured appropriately, if I wasn't, um, if I didn't have an outside nervous system developing within me, helping my nervous system to develop the capacity to self-regulate in healthy ways, whether myself or through uh, healthy relational connections, then I'm going to grow up without that capacity. And I'm going to find some way to do it. Wow. You know, some people it's drinking, some people it's sex, some people it's spending, You know, some people it's working, but I'm going to find something to do to deal with this, this uncomfortable, dysregulated affect is the clinical term inside of me, which could be look like chronic shame or anxiety or depression or all these different things. So, so, so really just kind of summarize, you got the acting out behaviors, you got the preoccupied thoughts underneath it, but those preoccupied thoughts are really what pull us away from the affect dysregulation. And that is there because of developmental deficits, which mm. is to say relational traumas early on.
2: Wow. Wow. My mind's spinning here because mm. we're working with so many couples and including our own relationship. And even, even outside of the addiction stuff for just a minute, there's all these things that we're processing and all these things that charity maybe isn't doing or, or responding to in a way that it causes me to question, am I wanted, am I loved, am I cared for? And so much of that can be how she developed and was nurtured as a child. And if I'm not willing to even understand that or even, even comprehend that, I might just be constantly frust- frustrated at behaviors that I see or I notice or that I feel like are undesirable to me. And I just, I feel like what you just said is a wealth of understanding that could link to that.
0: Yeah. And so if I heard you correctly, you're saying that, that if, if you're trying really hard and, you know, she's behaving in certain ways, that could be about stuff in her childhood where she's slow to react or so, slow to see things or slow to trust or whatever. Yeah. I'd go Even yes, it's true. And if you were sitting in my office as clients right now, I'd say interesting how you put that on her oh, for sure. because yeah. the truth is that, that there's projection in there oh, on yeah. your part that her you're interpreting her behavior as being about you. Mm. And actually uh, there's far more evidence in this moment right here that that's about your stuff and not hers. I love that. So uh,
2: <laughs> I love that. And isn't that how it works? I mean, most of the time yeah. we hear a sermon and we're like, wow, did you get that? Like right. that was so good. Man,
0: I sure hope or, so-and-so <laughs> was listening. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I did all the time with charity. I will be the first to raise my hand be like, man, I am like, I, this morning I was on a prayer walk and I'm like, Jesus help my critical nature. Cause I do, I criticize, but then I look back and I'm like, wow, I'm so hard on myself too. Like that yeah. is, there's so much projection that's happening in there.
0: Yeah. So and we-, we all do it. So I hope I, that wasn't meant to. Oh, it's great. You at all. No, it's like, good. Okay. No, it didn't. It
2: didn't. It didn't. <laughs> and I love this because we keep it real on this podcast for sure, which I totally love. So where do we start with that? As a couple that is trying to heal, I think our, again, charity and I, We wanted so bad, not just to be rid of the behaviors of sexually acting out and and healing the betrayal trauma that I had ensued on charity, but we wanted to come together as a couple. We wanted to start rekindling that connection and even just go, hey, how do we move forward with our relationship? What would you say, Jake, are some of the first steps in doing that as a couple? So if
0: we're thinking specifically about Coupleships where there's been the trauma of betrayal, uh, then the, where we start is by stopping the bleed from the wound of the betrayal. Okay. So I absolutely believe, I mean, I said it a few minutes ago that every single person on the planet has some post-traumatic stress. Every person on the planet's got family of origin issues because no one comes from a perfect family, right? And all of that matters. All of that is in the mix and has to be addressed in order to really get to a place where the relationship is flourishing and thriving. That said, the critical first step for couples who've experienced betrayal is safety and stability in the relationship, specifically around the betrayal. Um, and you and your listening audience, I'm, I'm sure that y'all have heard some version of this metaphor before but let's say that um, i'm in a car accident okay and i'm rushed to the emergency room and there's internal bleeding happening inside me and so they open me up to try to stop this internal bleeding but as they open me up they find a tumor Mm -hmm. in there and the tumor looks like it could be cancerous right um I do not want the doctor to stop treating the internal bleed to go run a biopsy and start looking at treatment options for this tumor, right? The tumor has been there. It's stable enough to remain, just leave it alone until we deal with this bleeding first. Otherwise I'm going to bleed out and who cares whether the tumor's Mm -hmm. cancerous or not. All of the, what I call, no, see there, I just used the word all (laughs) take that back. Most, the vast majority of the relational dynamics issues, okay, stuff left over from childhood, from family of origin, from past traumas, all that kind of stuff uh, have to be treated. But those are like the tumors that need to get treated later when the bleed has stopped. So safety and stability first. And let me be real clear what that looks like. The acting out, whatever the behavior was has to stop, okay? Uh, There's probably need to be some initial boundaries around safety and stability for the betrayed partner. And if there's been deception, gaslighting as part of the betrayal behavior, then there's gonna be a balance, a shift in the balance of power. And the one who has been disempowered by having her reality um, gaslighted is is gonna get... To set the terms for reentry into the relationship at first, and that is that is necessary for both people. It, that is what is good for both people. Um, so, so that's where relational dynamics go at first. That there's got to be safety and stability, stopping the behaviors. I believe uh, in the process of therapeutic full disclosure, so that those gaps can be filled. In. I'm not talking about the gory details or any of that. But the gaps are filled in so that the brain we now know and i mean we could this is a whole rabbit trail. we could go down eventually if you want but we know that the the discovery of secret betrayal just really messes with the brain and and what disclosure provides is necessary to help calm the brain Mm -hmm. so that the brain can move on into healing so so that's why the safety and stability has to happen first
1: yeah what As you're talking, what is probably the first thing that you would recommend for, let's say the husband is the addict, wife's betrayed. What would you recommend for him to do to start really realizing the extent of what betrayal and trauma has done to her brain to really start having empathy for her to make her feel validated and seen? What is something you recommend them?
0: Go to YouTube. All right as long as that's not been put on your list of boundaries that you can't go to. And if it has ask your wife to go there for you and Google, my name, Jake Porter, betrayal, trauma brain. Mm. Okay. And there's a six minute video Mm. watch that. Um, It really just explains. I try to explain in as clear and succinct as terms as possible, what is happening in the brain of the betrayed partner how, why they're acting crazy all of a sudden. And, um, it is, it is not weakness of character. It is not lack of forgiveness. It is not obsession that they're choosing to give themselves over to. It is a primal survival response. So I would say start there. Um, and then there's tons of resources out there now, Google it, Google betrayal, trauma, put, put about, 10% the effort into that, that you put into your addiction and, and try to understand, you know, one of the books that I think, I mean, there are lots of great books out there on, on betrayal trauma. I really like Dr. Sherry Keffer's book, intimate deception. I think she did a great job with that book. Um, and I think addicts should read it. I I totally think addicts should read it. So that's a great place to, to go. So, um, that's, that's what I'd say. That's That's where I'd start.
1: No, it was good because, you know, I really believe that in the beginning of recovery, we both really wanted to support each other, be there for each other, but we just didn't know how. And the thing that where I felt really validated and seen is when I gave him the books that I was reading, Intimate Deception and Your Sexually Addicted Spouse, and I highlighted certain parts and I said, this is why I'm responding the way that I am, because he just didn't understand it because he hadn't been educated on it, right? Right. And so... And now I have um education to my feelings, and that's why it's so important for ladies to get educated on betrayal trauma, or you're just gonna Absolutely. keep on saying well this I don't know why I feel this way and and he's not gonna understand how to come alongside her, so the first job is her, right but then she can help and say, "Hey, go to YouTube, which I'm gonna be linking that video in the show notes, everybody, but watch this video and you know read these highlighted parts in the book, and when he did that for me, I was like. Oh, okay, like he's seeing it. He's, he's seeing me, he's seeing my pain. Yes. He's understanding me. And we were starting to build little, little blocks once he started to do that. And I think it's so important for the husband to be educated so that he can start getting a little glimpse of what she's going through.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, um, it's really powerful. It, so it, it helps everybody. It does help the wife or the betrayed partner because it can be the other way yeah. around. Um, I've certainly seen that. Um, but it's also good for the relationship and it's good for the the betrayer. It really is good for everybody to have a more holistic understanding of what's happening, especially if one of your goals is to save your relationship. Yeah. 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 I've had people, um, I mean, with that, that one little video, that little six-minute video or whatever it is, I've gotten emails from people, uh, you know, all over just saying, oh my gosh, I finally get it. I finally Mm -hmm. see what's happening with my wife. And when that switch flips in a guy's mind, I have seen that be the catalyst for his real recovery. Sure.
2: Sure. Makes total sense. Because now you realize what what the pain you're causing. I think we've changed that outcome to being positive. It doesn't doesn't really affect her that much to be like, oh my gosh, I'm really hurting my wife. Or my spouse, if it's not the yeah. wife, yeah.
0: And this is this is where it's a good place to say. I like to put this in wherever I can. You know, I I owe a debt of gratitude to twelve step programs. Okay, I I, I don't bash twelve step programs. I count myself a grateful recovering twelve stepper myself. Okay, um, that that said, twelve step programs and the traditional models of recovery uh, that that are linked up to them often not always but often fall short and while we owe a debt of gratitude to the professionals in this field who came before us like patrick Carnes and and others we just we i mean it's a it's a field where where knowledge is groaning and now we know that the old traditional models that that say oh his recovery is his recovery and she needs to stay out of yeah. his recovery she's got her own recovery and keep your own side of the street clean and this this vision of two separate parallel, but separate processes. It, it is just so damaging to the Mm. relationship. Can both people heal individually? Absolutely. But the relationship is unlikely to survive that. In fact, there's research that shows that if people are getting individual help without couples uh, therapy in the mix, it is, it is more likely to end in divorce than mm. if they're not getting the help.
1: Wow. wow. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I've seen some, I don't want to like name people, but people that I was following that gave me hope in the very beginning of recovery, the coupleship that, you know, was on the other end. I was like, oh, if they can do it, we can do it because they're talking about it. And they're the only couples that I knew had overcome it. And I'm seeing them get divorced right now. And it's like a lot of them. And I'm like, man, that can really mess with somebody who's not grounded because they're like, if what happened, was it a relapse? Was Mm. it, or maybe there was nothing. And so it just makes you question. I've, I've even had some of my own friends just say, Hey, I'm really questioning my, like my marriage because I looked at them as hope and we're not where they're at. Like where, what's going to happen. And I think that's why Clinton and I really strive on like, Hey, that's why it's so important for you guys to grow. Of course, individually, but also together because if you do not have the coupleship like you're talking about, I believe that you become two completely different people without each other because exactly. you're exactly you're, you're so focused on self care, you're so focused on becoming a different person, you're so focused on building new neural pathways and neuroplasticity, plasticity, and you're growing and you're you're b- building new habits. And so why would you not want to build that into a new marriage relationship? Mm-hmm. You know,
0: totally, yeah. So after safety and stability is established after a disclosure. The next phase of, of recovery is, is around grief. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what I always say to the couples I work with is that grief is where the healing happens. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's grief is a meaning making process. It's hard. It's painful, takes time. There's no way to rush it, but it is where the healing happens. It is transformative. And so if you are not grieving together, you come out the other end of that grief process as two different people than you were before. And you wake up and you might still have great sobriety and and the the betrayed partner might have, uh, even be experiencing post-traumatic growth from her betrayal trauma, but together they look at each other and they go, we're we're not who we were. There's nothing Mm. between us anymore. And so the importance of grieving together is is crucial if the marriage is going to is going to make it for this reason what's been lost okay what's the primary thing that's been lost as a result of the betrayal and the discovery of the betrayal? it's the story it's the shared story from which the identity of the couple comes i mean so the two of you if I ask yeah. you, who are you as a couple? You're going to tell me your story. Yeah. If you ask my wife and I, who are, who are you guys? I mean, yeah, we're going to chit chat about some, you know, this, that, the other well, little trivial things. But you really want to get to know us. You hear our story. Well, the discovery of betrayal shatters the story yeah. for the betrayed partner. Wow. If they don't reconstruct that story together so that they have a what's called a collaborative narrative, they they look back at what's happened and they create shared meaning about it. That's grief then they're, they're going to come out the other side and they're not going to have that shared identity and they're going to drift apart.
2: Wow. You know, I, I can see that. And it's something that we are so passionate about mm. because what happened in our recovery journey was that I, I began to kind of like take a step back and analyze what was going on in the different groups that I was attending. And these guys were building this intimacy with these other men in the groups. And I'm not saying sexual intimacy or physical, they just were emotional and spiritual And, and, and intellectual and all these things were happening and they were grieving together. They were Mm -hmm. crying and these guys were listening and they were hugging it out as, as manly brothers in Christ. And they'd come home and they would be like strangers with their wives and the wives, the same thing. The wives are calling their gals and they're crying and they're hugging it out and they're praying and they're, they're talking and they're processing. And as you know, a recovering addict, like you're on the phone every day, trying to make your phone calls and just, Hey, I'm struggling, man. I'm, 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 I'm being tempted. Hey, can you pray for me? But your wife's not a safe person to go to in that moment, which I understand why. And we're all about that, having accountability outside of our spouses. But I I see what you're saying. It's so important to go, hey, on top of those things that are making me a safe person, what am I doing to process all of this with my wife so that we can rewrite our story?
0: Absolutely. Do you see it happening a
2: lot too, Jake, where people are developing that outside of their spouses?
0: Right. Right. So when I, when I'm working with, with couples and this happens sometimes where I start putting out all this, all this couple centered ideology, right? So my model is couple centered recovery and I'm, and I'm talking in this language about putting the relationship first and this sort of stuff. And I've had pushback usually from the addict, you know, like I've got to put my recovery first. How can I be there for her if I don't know how to be there for myself? How can I love her if I don't learn to love myself first? These sorts of ideas, right? Well, that's that's ridiculous. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I mean, I think I can prove it. I can prove it in this way. What is your recovery program asking you to do? Two things, two things. They're saying you're going to tell your sponsor, whoever your accountability people, your group, whatever. Tell them everything, right? No secrets. Tell them everything, and number two, you're going to put this program first. Nothing comes before it, right? I mean, other than God or whatever, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. This is this is it. So we tell each other everything, and the recovery comes first. I'm just saying, take those two rules and apply them into your relationship. We tell each other everything, and the relationship comes first. And and the reason why that works is because it's God's design yeah. mm. for human growth and development. Boom.
2: Come
0: okay. On, Jake. Why would I take the biologically God designed biologically wired in attachment system and all the power that it has and only be using it with these people who I see for what, two, three hours a week and not be leveraging it in the most important relationship in my life that consists of how many hours per week? Yeah. Yeah. What? What? 80 I don't even know how many I've whatever <laughs> a lot, you know a lot more lots lots of awake time right <laughs> so yeah and, and one more thing just because I'm really passionate on, about please, I want to go back
1: Keep going. to
0: this idea that you can't love other people until you learn to love yourself uh packed therapy that I have done a lot of training with Dr. Stantak. and he he's the one that really like slapped me around with this idea You learn, it is impossible to love yourself if you're not in relationship with other people. Mm. And it is impossible to grow as a human being outside of relationships. We develop in relational context. And so I learn to love myself as I'm learning to love other people, which is exactly what the Bible Mm -hmm. says, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Philippians 2. Look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. It's both. And it's both. Lovely. And if, if we so fall good. off on one side or the other, then it's going to get screwed up. We're going to, yeah. it's going to get all out of whack and it's not going to work. You yeah. could
2: not agree okay. more. No, you're no, we're vibing. No, yes. Keep it coming. And and just to add to that, I feel like what we, what I didn't understand was that because we are now one, we, this is the same person, like in spiritual context of God's design. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe that, you know, the two are brought to one. And so I have, as a man, a responsibility to take care of myself, which is my wife. I can't neglect her and say, Hey, you go figure yourself out. I'm going to figure myself out. And then we'll come together. Like there is a part of that that I am responsible for taking care of. It says, Love, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, if I'm, neglecting my wife's healing journey, I am actually not loving myself well because we have been brought together through a covenant that is way more spiritual than we can even comprehend. And there's way more things happening as a connection than just, than just us fitting physically with body components. There is right. a oneness that's happened through covenant by God and sanctification that is going on. That's way beyond. So I, I we just, yes and amen. Amen. Mm-hmm to everything you just said, because it's so important. And and I, I'm all for it, man. It
0: sounded amazing. Yeah. That, that two becoming one thing, it's, it's a great picture because really the, the, it's a shadow, right. And the substance is Christ in the church. Marriage is a parable of the gospel. So if you look at what scripture teaches about that, there's a, there's a duality there. There's, it's like in, in clinical terms, we'd say a dialectic, two things that don't seem like they should fit together, but they do. Mm. And that is yes, you're one and you're still two. It's it's that divine sort of math, you know, one God, three yeah. persons. And and we see that with Christ in the church, there's a union while maintaining a distinction. Mm. We're never totally united to totally. Christ in such that we're not still distinct from Him. Yeah. We're so united that we're inseparable from Him. To the point that Ephesians 5, where that, that parable is getting drawn out, it says, he, you know, husbands love your wives as your own body. You know, whoever loves his wife loves himself. Mm-hmm. And and that is such a, that's such a key there to to really let it sink in that I never have to choose between what's best for my wife and what's best for me, because what's best for my wife is what's best for me. Mm-hmm. I never have to choose between what's best for the relationship and what's best for me because what's best for the relationship is what's best for me. Mm. Otherwise, if I don't get that, I'm going to fall into resentment. I'm going to fall into this victim mentality. Oh, I have to set. Separ- I have to be the Christ-like figure here, and I have to lay down my life for my wife, and she mm. always has to win, and all of it. No, what what does it say? It says Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. But keep reading. It says that he might present the church to himself Mm. in splendor. He died for the church for himself Mm. because it was best for him to have a glorious bride. Mm. So I, I, there's no resentment involved in me doing what's best for my wife Mm. or what's best for my marriage, because that is what's best for me. Mm.
2: Mm. I'm going to piggyback on that, Jake. I think what happens in a lot of our relationships as the betrayer, is that we do a lot of work and we, we, we do. And, and I I think that there is a lot out there for betrayal trauma. I think it's, it's still up and coming. And I think it's really hard for our spouses to take that step because we caused it, right? Because we caused all this pain. They're like, why the heck do I have to go to a group that you, you know what I mean? And I I get it. I think what happens in a lot of cases, even in my case is an impatience with the journey of rebuilding that connection And you understand that as guys, we want to be wanted. We want to be, you know, together, uh, not even just sexually, but even just physically or emotionally. And I think that a lot of times we don't understand how long that can take or how triggers can happen and send them right back to square one in their brain. And then we get bitter like you talk about because the process isn't happening as fast as we want it to happen. And then we feel neglected and rejected and all those things can you talk? I don't even know what I'm asking really. I just know that's what, that's what's happening, Jake.
0: So what would you say
2: to somebody who's going through that today where the process is taking longer than they would like to rekindle that connection?
0: Here's what I would say. I would say when you, when you feel that impatience coming up, when you feel maybe it's coming up as resentment, maybe it's just hurt, loneliness, whatever it is. Okay. And you're not, you're approaching your your betrayed partner, and you're not getting the response you want. You're not seeing the healing you want. Just try as best you can to be in that moment, in the present, in that moment, right there, and mirror what your partner's saying to you. Attune with whatever emotion they're feeling. Okay, maybe it's not the one you were hoping for. You know, you're hoping to have a Fun night out, and she got triggered seeing something, and now she's all in this, you know, like kind of scared, kind of angry, in pain place. Decision point right there Mm -hmm. Am I going to meet her in that present moment, in that emotional space, or am I going to say, This isn't what I planned for the night, and why is this taking so long? Mm -hmm. And even if I do that gently, I'm missing an opportunity. What I'm saying is, guys. You might think that the opportunity is not there because she's not ready, but maybe you're just not taking the opportunity that's right in front of you because it's uncomfortable. Attune to that fear, anger, pain, reflect it, validate it, say to her, I'm not going to leave you in the pain I caused you. I'm with you. And you know what? maybe you'll get exactly what you were thinking you couldn't have because it's too far down the road. It may not look like what you want it to look like in that moment. But if what you're looking for is connection, that's it. That's it. And until you can connect with her around her pain, she's going to be very slow to let you connect with her around anything else. And and here's the reason why if I hurt my wife, okay, if I hurt her really badly, it is not sufficient in her mind and her heart. It is going to be not sufficient for her to believe that I love her for her to then start to trust me again. She has to believe I love her and that I really understand and get as best I can how I hurt her. Because if I don't understand how I hurt her, then it doesn't matter if I love her or not because I might do it again. Mm. But if I get it at some level and she feels me get it and she knows I love her, now she can start to believe that maybe I won't hurt her again. And now she can start to maybe open up and trust. So you're not going to get to that place of sharing those more fun emotions consistently and at deep levels until you first show that you can handle her pain and meet her there in that. Then you can get to the other, the intimacy around the other emotions.
1: Wow. Those were all so good. I'm like over here. If you're like seeing me like side notes, I'm like (laughs) taking a bunch of notes on our paper over here, but this is so powerful. And I just, man, you give so much hope. I really believe for a, a couple. And as I'm just listening and I'm reflecting on everything that you've been talking about it just resonates so well with my spirit and my soul. And I just, I really pray that the couples who are listening to this are just saying like, okay, we are, we can, we may not feel like we're on the same team right now, but we are on the same team and we can even like become a winning team. You know, like we may mm-hmm. feel like we're on a losing team right now, but we really can come together in this and we be, we can, we can really learn how to support one another and come alongside one another. And we, and really realize that we may have more in common than we actually think that we do. You know, Mm. there's, I think sometimes we can feel so alone and the other person doesn't understand. The addict doesn't understand me. The betrayed doesn't understand me. But really there's so many more similarities, I think, when we can humble ourselves, take away the pride and go, wow, I'm going through trauma. You're going through trauma. What are the core beliefs that I'm believing? And you can just share in that. You don't have to defend it, but you just, what you're saying is you mirror everything that Mm. the other person is saying. You just validate it. And oh my gosh, like I have goosebumps when I say it, because I just, I see restoration in so many couples if they apply the things that you're talking about. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you've shared on this podcast.
0: Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I love the name of y'all's ministry restored to more because I, I mean, I really believe that that's what couples can, can have is more. I, I, and I tell, I tell couples often, you know, I try to be really sensitive about it and not say this at, a, at an insensitive moment, but I tell them, you might want to punch me in the face for this, <laughs> but I'm not lying when I say to you, I believe that you can come out the other side of this and have something better than you ever mm. had before. Something that you could not have had otherwise. Yep. And uh, it's possible. I've seen it happen. I've, I've experienced it myself. I've seen it happen now with so, so, so many other couples. Um, it's real and they can, they can become like, you're saying that team, that, um, that winning team, and it can happen sooner than people realize. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing I want to say is that a lot of times out there, there's these numbers that get thrown around, you know, three to five year process and all this kind of stuff. I I can't, I can't make a guarantee because my loss licensure, uh, code of ethics keeps me from doing it. But, um, just short of that, what I will say is you put your primary relationship in the center of your recovery and healing process and you watch it take off. Mm. You watch other people who are not doing that fall behind you in terms of your growth. Um, I think God honors it. I think it's how we're designed. I think it leverages, you know, our, the way we're created and it's good for everybody.
2: Mm.
1: I couldn't agree more. And um, Cause it was our, it was our, it's our story. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, we went and head head forced to uh, our own and our own recovery, but then we came together as a coupleship in the, in, in the midst of it and really grew and don't get me wrong. We're not perfect. We had lots of trial and error for sure. Lots of failure, but it didn't take, you know, the long amount of time that a lot of people had said it was. And I think that's what can also be daunting for I believe the younger generation who are realizing that this is something going on in their relationship because you look at people who are in recovery and it, for our example, our story, the couples that were in our groups were 20, 30, 40 years older than us. We were the youngest ones in our group. And we're like, man, like there's no way we can be the only ones, the young ones suffering in this. But I think that there's this And we also grew up in like a microwave, you know, society where we want everything really quick and fast. And so I think when we see that the recovery can take such a long time and process, it can be like, well, I don't even want to start it, you know? Mm -hmm. So the fact that you said that, I think is really encouraging. And I want more people to share that. And it's, it's not this quick, you're not saying, Hey, it's a quick microwave instant. It's still a process. It is still a journey, but it doesn't have to be forever.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah, for
2: sure. Well, Jake, that was amazing to end out on. Why don't we give our listeners how they can get plugged into all that you're doing? And if and if they you know, if if they're like, hey, I would love to go out for counseling, even learn about how to do that. So please let us know.
0: Yeah. So the best way if you're interested in coming to to Houston and working with me, doing an intensive with me the best place to go is daringventures.com slash intensives. There's like a free webinar there where I talk about all our intensives and different options. And there's an application for the intensive experience there. And uh, so that's that's the best place to go for that. If you just want more resources, go to daringventuresathome.com. And I've got tons of videos. Uh, there's free videos on my YouTube cha- channel, but there's lots of Paid webinars that that people can go through and, and see if there's something that would fit for them. And um, yeah, that's at daringventuresathome dot com.
2: Cool, awesome, well, Jake. Thank you so much for being with us. I mean, it has thank been, you. It's been thank you for having extremely me. Extremely insightful and valuable. So, thank
0: you. Appreciate it. I'm yours until the end of time. Hey
1: everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Follow us on Instagram and sign up for the upcoming course. You can also connect with us on the Ask Us Anything page at RestoredToMore.com. Also, quick note, all the work at Restored to More Inc., including this podcast, is made possible by our donors and financial partners. We wouldn't be here without those who have generously given to the cause of restoration. If you ever feel led to give, you can do so on the donate page on our website.